chapter six of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva youth triumphant but weariness and anxiety had to pay tribute at last and he slept it was broad daylight when he awoke to the sound of a loud hammering upon the door and a high clear humorous voice calling his name lazy bones get up will you be lying abed all day uh all right he opened his eyes with an effort and glanced at his wristwatch eight o'clock coffee in the studio harry dear in ten minutes oh all right the hammering stopped footsteps retreated and jim horton tumbled out rubbing his eyes and gazing at the golden lozenges of light upon the wall it was a most inspiriting reveille arresting as the shrill clarion of camp on a frosty morning but sweeter far joyous with promise of the new day it was only during the progress of his hasty toilet that the douche of cold water over his head and face recalled to him with unpleasant suddenness and distinctness the events of the night before and he emerged from vigorous rubbing exhilarated but sober there was a lot of thinking to be done and a difficult resolution to make and with moira at his elbow it wasn't going to be easy but by the time he knocked at the door of the studio the pleasure of the immediate prospect made ready his good cheer for the morning greeting he heard her voice calling and entered a new fire blazed on the hearth and an odor of coffee filled the air she emerged from the door of the small kitchen a coffee-pot and a heaping plateful of brioche in her hands good morning i've been waiting for you an hour or more you've been developing amazing bad habits in the hospital why didn't you call me before sure and i believed you might be thinking i was anxious to see you and aren't you and do you think i'd be telling even if i was you might and i won't will you have your coffee with cream and sugar if you please it was real cream and real sugar some magic of madame toupin's she explained and the brioche were unsurpassed and so they sat and ate moira chattering gaily of plans for the day while the ancient dowager upon the easel who had braved the fokers and the long-range cannon looked down upon them benignly and with a little touch of pity too as she knew how much of their courage was to be required of them horton ate silently putting in a word here and there content to listen to her plans to watch the deft motions of her fingers and the changing expressions upon her face once or twice he caught her looking at him with a puzzled line at her brows but he let his glance pass and spoke of casual things the location of the bank where he must get his money the excellence of the coffee the kindness of nurse newberry aware that these topics were not the ones uppermost in his mind or in hers you're a bit subdued this morning harry dear she said at last whimsically maybe that goose was too much for you 
subdued he laughed you have all the air of a man with something on his conscience you used to wear that look in america and i let you be but somehow things seem different with us two would you be willing to tell me there isn't a thing except except your kindness i don't deserve that you know she looked at him seriously and then broke into laughter would it make you feel more comfortable if i laid you over the shoulders with a mile-stick i think it would he grinned sure and that is one of the few pleasant prerogatives of matrimony in ireland and elsewhere added horton but i do want to know if anything's troubling you are you still worried she took a brioche and smiled at it amiably because we're not appropriately chaperoned no not so much i see you're quite able to look out for yourself and you derive some comfort from the fact she asked he looked at her their eyes met and they both burst into laughter moira you witch but you'd better not tempt me too far sure and i'm not afraid of you alanith she said sedate again and very cool or of any man and then mischievously but your doubts needn't have kept you from kissing me a good morning it's not too late now said horton abruptly rising and spilling his coffee he passed the small table toward her but she held him off with a hand no the essence is gone you'll please pick up your coffee cup and pass the butter thanks it's very nice butter isn't it excellent he said gloomily and now you're vexed is there no pleasing a man if you'd only stop pleasing you'd make it easier for me to see a way she was all attention at once listening but he paused and set his coffee cup down with an air of finality stop pleasing sure and you must not ask the impossible she said her mouth full but he wouldn't smile and only glowered into the fire i want you to let me try to pay you what i owe you to earn your respect and affection well i'm letting you she smiled over her coffee cup i-i've gotten you under false pretenses under the spell of a, a temporary emotion a sense of duty he rambled saying partly what harry might say and partly what was in his own heart i want to win the right to you to show you that that i'm not as rotten as you used to think me he didn't know how far the thought was leading and in fear of it rose and walked away suddenly silent well he heard her saying i don't think you are was she laughing at him he turned toward her again but the back of her dark head was very demure he approached quite close near enough to touch her but she held the coffee cup to her lips and then when she had drunk sprang up and away what's the use of thinking about the past or the future alanov when we have the present with a gorgeous morning and happy paris just at our elbows allons you shall wash the coffee cups and the pot while i put on my hat for there's nothing like sticking something into a man's hands to keep them out of mischief and then we'll be wandering forth you and i into the realms of delight he was glad at the thought of going out into the air 
away from the studio for here within four walls she was too close to him their seclusion too intimate if he only were harry he would have taken her tantalizing moods as a husband might and conquered her by strength and tenderness but as it was all he could feel beside tenderness was pity for her innocence and helplessness and contempt and not a little pity for himself but the air of out of doors was to restore him to sanity it was one of those late november days of sunshine warm and hazy when outer wraps are superfluous and arm in arm like two good comrades and as the custom was in the quartier they sauntered forth in the direction she indicated there were to be no vehicles for them she insisted for fiacres cost much and money was scarce life seemed to be coursing very strongly through her veins and the more he felt the contagion of her youth and joy the more trying became the task he had set himself but sober though he was within he could not resist the spell of her enthusiasms and he put the evil hour from him this day at least should be hers as nearly as he could make it without a flaw they turned down the boule miche and into the boulevard saint germain past the beaux-arts which she wished to show him then over the pont des arts to the right bank they stopped on the quay for a moment to gaze down toward the towers of notre dame while moira painted for him the glories that were france he had lived a busy life and had had little time for romances of great nations but he remembered what he had read and through moira's clear intelligence the epic filtered tinctured with its color and idealism illustration through moira's clear intelligence the epic filtered then under the arches of the louvre to the avenue de l'opera toward the banking district all paris smiled the blue and brown mingled fraternally and the streets were crowded except for the uniforms which were seen everywhere it was difficult to believe that hardly a month ago the most terrible war in history had been fought almost at the city's gates when he reached his bank which was in the boulevard des italiens near the opera jim horton had to move with caution but moira fortunately had some shopping to do and in her absence he contrived to get some checks and going into the grand hotel drew a check signed with his own name and payable to henry g horton and this he presented for payment there was some delay and a few questions for the amount was large three thousand francs but he showed the letters from moira and quinlevin it was with a sigh of relief that he went out and met moira near the opera with a grin he caught her by the arm exhibiting a large packet of banknotes and led the way down the avenue by which they had come and where now harry dear i'm hungry to the most expensive restaurant in paris for dejeuner if i'm not mistaken we passed it just here 
but you must not i won't permit he only grinned and led her inside for to-day at least moira we shall live but to see paris en anglais that is not to live we shall see the tempting meal that he ordered with her assistance did much to mollify her prudence and frugality and they breakfasted in state on the best that the market provided afternoon found them back in the boulevard st germain again after an eventful interim which jim horton had filled above her protests in a drive through the bois and a visit much less expensive to a cinema show during which she held his hand and now a little weary of all the world but happy in each other they drifted like the flotsam of all lovers of the rive gauche toward the gardens of the luxembourg they sat side by side on the balustrade overlooking the esplanade and lawn in front of the palace watching the passers-by always paired pew pew and milliner workman and bun flaner and grisette for the warm weather had brought them out there was no military band playing but they needed no music in their hearts which were already beating in time to the most exquisite of interludes twilight was falling the paris dusk full of mystery and elusive charm lights beyond the trees flickered into being and the roar of the city beyond their breathing spot diminished into a low murmur for a while their conversation had relapsed into short sentences and monosyllables as though the gaiety of their talk was no longer sufficient to conceal their thoughts which throwing off subterfuge spoke in the silences at last moira shivered slightly and rose come she said gently we must be going and led the way toward the exit from the gardens on the boulevard st michel horton followed silently heavily for the end of his perfect day was drawing near and with it the duty which was to bring disillusionment and distress to moira and ostracism and hell to him but when they reached the studio moira set with a clarity at putting things to rights and preparing the evening meal we shall be having cold goose and a bit of salad you extravagant person she said i feel as though i had no right to be eating again for a week and so they dined upon the remains of their feast but warmed by the cheerful blaze both conscious of the imminent hour of seclusion and affinity moira had little to say and in the silences jim caught her gaze upon him once or twice as though in inquiry or in comprehension and wondered whether in their long day together he had said or done anything which might have led her to suspect the truth but he had been cautious following her leads in conversation and playing his discreditable role with rather creditable skill the end was near he would see harry to-night at javet's and to-morrow he would tell her but it was like the thought of death to him after to-day and he failed to hide from her the traces of his misery i wish 
that you would tell me what worries you she said gently after a long silence he started forward in his chair by the fire uh, nothing he stammered there's nothing yes there is she said evenly i know i've felt it all day even when you seem most happy and then quickly is it me that you're worrying about about you he asked to gain time and then grasping at the straw she threw him about you yes moira he said quietly it was the first definite return to the topic of the morning which they had both banished as though by an understanding but moira was persistent why she asked because because i don't deserve all this from you she smiled softly from her chair nearby don't you think i'm the best judge of that no he said miserably no you can't deny a woman the faith of her intuitions and if i proved your intuitions false sure and i'd never speak to you again she put in quaintly it might be better if you didn't he muttered half aloud she heard him or seemed to for she turned quickly and laid her hand over his don't be spoiling our day dear she said earnestly god has been good in bringing you back to me whatever happens i won't be regretting it his fingers caught and pressed hers and then quickly relinquished them as he rose struggling for his composure you will regret it he said fiercely i tell you you can't thank god for me because i'm not what you want to think me i'm what the harry you knew in america was only worse a liar a cheat he paused as she rose saving himself the revelation on the tip of his tongue by the sight of her face in the firelight as she turned it was transfigured by her new faith in him and in her joy in the possession she came to him quickly and put her soft fingers over his lips while the other arm went around his shoulders hush alanoff she said no you mustn't moira he muttered taking her hands down and clasping them both in his you mustn't and then at the look of disappointment that came into her eyes caught both her hands to his lips and covered them with kisses against the sweet allure of her he struggled sure that never mortal man had been so tried before but surer still that the love he bore for her was greater than all temptation she looked at him flushed at the warmth of this formal caress which left no doubt of him but marvelling at his renunciation of her lips which had been so near i can't be listening to you call yourself such names you don't understand and i can't tell you anything more just now i haven't the will he noted the look of alarm which was a token of the suffering he must cause her and he led her to his chair and made her sit i can't make you unhappy not to-night i-i'm sorry you read my thoughts i shouldn't have let you see he had turned to the fire and leaned against the chimney-piece and after a moment clear and very tender he heard her voice you must tell me everything alanoff i've got the right to it now he shook his head in silent misery but you must no i can't yes you see things are different between us two you've made me know to-day how different 
last night i called to your mind the mockery we'd been through calling it marriage but it was a marriage and the dear god has willed that my heart should beat for you as gently as that of any mother for its babe it softened in the hospital dear when i saw you lying there so pale and weak against the pillows and i knew that if god spared you for me i would make amends you make amends he gasped by giving you all that i had of faith hope and charity whatever you were whatever you are dear you're mine for better or for worse and i believe in you and your troubles whatever they are i'll take my half of them you can't he groaned not if they concern me she continued simply for they're mine already he took a pace or two away from her you mustn't speak to me like this and why not you're mine to speak to as i please is it that you don't love me enough philanoff he knew that she wouldn't have asked that question if she hadn't already seen the answer in his eyes love you he began his eyes shining like stars and then suddenly as though their very glow had burned them out they turned away dull and lustreless she watched him anxiously for a moment and then rose and faced him well she said softly i'm waiting for your answer i-i can't give you an answer he said in a colourless voice then i'll be given the answer for you my dear for i'm not without eyes in my head i know you love me and i've been knowing it for many days and it's the kind of love that a woman wants the love that gives and asks nothing she paused breathing with difficulty the warm colour rising to her temples and then went on gently proudly as though in joy of her confession and i it is the same with me i've tried to make you understand it is not for you to give only she halted in her speech a moment and then came close to him her clear gaze seeking his i love you not for what you have suffered dear she whispered but for what you are to me not because you are my husband but because you are you the only one in all the world for me moira he whispered tensely as his arms went about her god forgive me i worship you god will forgive you that alanov he heard her say happily since i do he touched his lips to her brow tenderly then her lips you love me he muttered me you're sure that it's me that you love her eyes opened startled at his tone if it isn't you that i love then i'm sure that i can't be loving anyone at all and you'll believe in me whatever happens i will she repeated proudly whatever happens since this has happened to us both some day you'll know he muttered painfully that i i'm not what i seem to be and then i want you to remember this hour this moment moira as it is to me i want you to remember how you came into my arms when i hadn't the strength to repel you remember the touch of my lips in tenderness and in reverence moira that love was too strong for me for it has made me false to myself false to you she drew away from him a little deeply perturbed you frighten me alanov i-i don't want to to-morrow he paused searching for strength to speak but it did not come 
tomorrow what do you mean the repetition of the words seemed like a confirmation of his resolution and shocked him into action quietly he took her hands down from his shoulders kissed them in farewell and turned away what do you mean she repeated that that to-morrow you shall judge me the tense expression of her anxiety relaxed and she smiled you needn't fear what that will be he did not reply but stood staring fixedly into the fire she came around to him and laid her fingers over his why should we bother about to-morrow dear to-day was yesterday's to-morrow and see what's happened to us but it shouldn't have happened he groaned it shouldn't have happened then why should i thank god for it don't yes everything will be right a woman knows of these things he smiled at her tenderly but he didn't attempt to take her in his arms come she said let us sit down by the fire near the blaze and we will not speak of to-morrow just of to-day and yesterday and the day before when you and i were learning this wonderful thing but he did not dare moira i-i've got to go out for a while a matter of duty now she faltered i must an engagement i'm in honor bound now really alarmed she caught him by the elbows and looked into his eyes an engagement to-night and to-morrow his meaning seemed to come to her with a rush harry this engagement to-night has something to do with us with me to-morrow what is it harry speak i can't i promised i won't let you go harry it is something that has come between us it has always been between us he muttered she clung to him and held him as he moved toward the door nothing nothing shall come between us nothing can i don't care what it is until death do us part don't you understand what that means harry the repetition of his brother's name the phrase from the marriage service gave him resolution to avert his face from the piteous pleading in her eyes it is because i understand what it means that i have the courage to go now before you despise me i have said that nothing makes any difference i swear it i love you dear there's some mistake you'll never be different in my eyes whatever happens whatever has happened good-bye moira he whispered his hands clasping her arms no no not now not to-night i knew that to-day was too beautiful to last you-you frightened me don't go please don't go yes he said firmly i must but she was strong and greater than her strength was her tenderness look me in the eyes dear while i'm pleading with you if your love were as great a thing as mine to look in her eyes he knew was fatal one brief struggle and then he caught her in his arms and held her close for a long moment while he whispered in broken sentences my love if you hadn't said that you've got to know what my love means sacrifice this moment is mine remember it dear as it is its terrible sweetness its sanctity remember that too because that's the essence of it sanctity god bless you moira whatever happens whatever happens as in a daze he straightened and looked around 
then almost roughly broke away from her and rushed to the door taking up his cap and overcoat on the way harry good-bye he called hoarsely as he opened the door and went out she rushed after him but he was already running furiously down the stairs into the dark harry she called harry come back but the name of his brother made him rush on the more blindly the echoes following him down into the court and past the open gate of madame toupin he hadn't any definite idea of what he was going to do the only thing that he was sure of was that he must get away anywhere away from moira from the reproach of her innocent eyes of her confessions of her tributes of submission and surrender on he plunged blindly down the street toward the luxembourg gardens into the outer darkness where he must lose himself away from her to-night to-morrow for all time he had failed he had trusted himself too far trusted her too far fool that he was not to have seen that love begun by trivial happenings had been gathering strength and momentum and like an avalanche had swept down and engulfed them both in a moment of reaction of guilty triumph he rejoiced defiant of the conscience that drove him forth that it was him that she loved not harry his lips that had taken tribute his ears that had received her confessions meant for them alone but reason returned after a while and with it the sense of his dishonor the thing was over definitely there would be scorn enough in her eyes for him to-morrow when he told her all the truth he comforted himself with that thought and yet it brought him a pang too for he knew that it was moira who was to suffer most he seemed to be the only person in the gardens for the night was chill and a thin mist of rain was falling from time to time there were footsteps here and there and the murmur of voices and through the turmoil of his thoughts he was conscious of them vaguely but they meant nothing to him he went on into the darkness his head bowed in the conflict of his happiness and his remorse reaching a dimly lighted spot near the rue d'assaz when he heard quick footsteps behind him he turned just in time to dodge the blow of a stick aimed at his head which fell heavily on his shoulder he struck out but another man caught him around the waist burying him to the ground he struggled to one knee striking viciously but they were too many for him he got a glimpse of an automatic pistol which flashed before his eyes and then something heavy struck him on the head the last thing he noted before losing consciousness was the pale face of the man with the automatic it was his brother harry End of chapter six